0: Good morning, it truly is one of the sweetest joys of my life uh, to be friends with our pastor and to see how God's using him and the leaders of our church to continue to bless this fellowship. This is a place we deeply love and we continue to rejoice in the fact that we can come here and be here and, and I can sit and listen to him rather than have to get up and preach uh, every week myself. So I pray for him. I hope you do also. Uh, I hope you pray for our pastors and leaders. You know, we depend upon the grace of God in every aspect of our life, and especially in the church of Jesus Christ. So this is a wonderful place, Um, and I'm just glad to be here with you today. Uh, I want to share a message with you that I've been pondering for some time, I want to talk to you about choosing faith. Um, I've begun to realize that what God wants from me, more than perhaps anything else, is for me to be stronger and stronger in faith. And of course, these are things that you know, and I'm probably not going to say anything to you this morning that you have not already heard, uh, but for me, it's, I'm sort of trying to recapture this, and my hope is that this morning you will be encouraged uh, in your own faith, and that you'll As you look into the new year, now we're the last couple days of this year, and we're looking into the new year, and what God wants to do in each of our lives is he wants to strengthen our faith. Uh, I don't know all the needs that you have, but I believe that the one common need that every single one of us have going into the year 2020 is a stronger faith. So I'm hoping that, that God will use something that happens in these next few minutes to encourage you. To commit to God to pursue a stronger faith you know this past year has been an interesting year hasn't it Um, in a lot of ways in our world it's been interesting in our nation very interesting I promise not to talk about that and also in my own personal life it's been an interesting year Um, and this whole thing about faith has become just like prominent in my thinking Um, I've realized again that what the scripture says, that without faith, it is impossible to please God. Now, just think of it. I know you know that verse, but think about it again. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Why is that? It's because faith in God is the only right and reasonable response to who God is and who we are. It's the truth. It's reality. It is what is needed of every thinking person, that we must have faith. If it is impossible to believe God without faith, then with faith it is possible to believe God. And I want to say to you that you please God through your faith, and God wants you to please Him more, because really, it's about the glory of God. It's an amazing idea that you can actually put a smile on the face of Almighty God. By your faith but you can and you do and you can even more in the days to come we are different ages here and different backgrounds and experiences but every stage of life requires faith again and God is constantly building our faith he's directing us so that hopefully by the time you reach a little older age your faith is going to be strong And God is doing this all the time. And I've met some young people who have amazing, strong faith. But God wants to do this in every one of our lives. You need faith today. And heading into the new year, you need faith again. This new year will present to you a new set of uncertainties. You don't know what is going to happen. You have some ideas and some hopes, but you don't know for sure what's going to happen. And that's where faith Comes into our life. We need a growing faith. And I've realized that faith is not primarily an emotion. I, I used to think that a lot. I think I had the idea that people would talk about a strong faith and I'd say, Yeah, I don't have one. And I'd think to myself, You either have strong faith or you don't. There really isn't anything you can do about it. So you sort of yield to this idea of whatever faith it is I have, that's where I'm stuck for the rest of my life. That's a lie. It's not true. And one of the things that God wants us to do, wants of us, is to grow in our faith. He wants at the end of the year 2020, if Jesus doesn't come, he wants you to be able to look back and to know that God has strengthened your faith and that you are a stronger man or a woman of faith today than you were a year ago or even a month ago. Faith is not primarily about how I feel. Faith is primarily about God. And what I think about God, and what I believe about God, and what I believe that God has revealed, whether it seems logical to me at the moment or not, or even obvious to me, faith is a choice. It is many things, but at its core, it is a choice. And God has given to you the opportunity to choose. He gave you a chooser. You know that, don't you? That God is one of the gifts that God has given to you that separates you from all the rest of creation. You have a chooser. You can choose to believe or not to believe. Now, there are many things that impact that, of course, and sometimes it's harder than others, but you can choose faith. So I want to talk to you about when we have to choose faith and through what kind of situations in our life we must choose faith, and then how do we do that? So... Five things. The first of them, I've got to choose faith when my circumstances are bad. And of course, you know that. That's usually the time when we, we're thinking, nah, I really need faith now because things are painful, they're difficult, I'm struggling, I have all kinds of problems. Boy, I really need faith now because stuff is bad. And you realize that. That pain and problems can consume your thinking so much so that you are distracted from God and what God wants to do because you're so focused on what's going on right now because it's difficult and hurtful, painful, and it consumes you and distracts you. But one of the things that God wants is, especially during those times, He wants you to choose faith. Now, we have some liabilities, and, and as American Christians, I want to suggest to you that one of the challenges that we face is that we are raised with the idea in America that we have an inalienable right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. An inalienable right. It's my right to have these things, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm grateful to live in a country where that's one of our core values, And around the world, there are so many countries that would like to have the same thing. But it sounds good to us as Christians. We have the tendency to think, well, surely that's God's priority for my life also. And I want you to think more deeply about that. It is wonderful that our nation holds this as a high priority. But here's the problem for us. We who are followers of Jesus Christ are not primarily citizens of America. We are primarily citizens of the kingdom of heaven. And the documents, the foundational documents of America's political system are different than the foundational document of the kingdom of heaven. We live by a different standard. Our citizenship is in heaven. You can be a citizen of America, but, but if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, your primary citizenship is one of the kingdom of heaven. Are you with me here on this? And that is key for us because it's so easy for us to begin thinking, well, hey, I deserve life, liberty, and happiness. And that is one of the things I primarily ought to be pursuing. One of the advantages that God has given to me, a blessing that's God given to me in these days, is I travel around the world primarily to Africa and Asia to try to encourage pastors where they have very little training. And when you go to these places, one of the things you discover is is that they are not raised with the idea that they have an inalienable right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. That is like a foreign idea to them. Uh, They like it. They would like to have more of it, but it's not really a foundational value for their country. In fact, when they look at their own lives, they have a lot more issue with things like pain and struggle and poverty and persecution. And I mean, it seems like the things that they have a right to are problems, you know, rather than life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And then I begin to realize that I, as a citizen of the kingdom of heaven, I have no right to demand these things either. I like them. I like to pursue them. But I am a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. I have a right to life. But there is someone who has a greater control of my life than I do. And he is the one who determines how many days I have. He holds that in his hand. You, you get this, don't you? that you don't have a right to so many days. I mean, God is the one who determines this. I, I, I deeply believe in liberty, but I don't have the, the right to do anything that I want to do. Uh, and I really like happiness. I really like happiness. You know? But the reality is, is that happiness is fleeting, right? And my circumstances are not always, quote, happy. So what I'm trying to say to you is that God's plan... For you is life, liberty, and happiness, but it's not primarily here in this world. It's primarily going to be someplace else. If you get any of it here, great. Hallelujah. Praise God for that. So what we must do is we must choose God whether our circumstances are good or bad, but especially in times of bad, we need to choose faith. And it's one of the things I've discovered when I've traveled around the world that these pastors and Christians in places like, we just got back from Nepal, uh, John Hamilton and I just got back a couple of weeks ago from Nepal. By the way, I want to tell you, John Hamilton is, he is a great travel partner. I want to tell you, it was just good. Uh, yeah. he, he cared for me, you know, and I sort of need a little care these days, and But he blessed the pastors and the leaders, you know, and I I just watched him, you know, and he just, he has this heart of, he just like knows when people need to be prayed for, you know, he just, you know, he goes right there. Anyway, it was really good, and, you know, I'm going to be lobbying your pastor um, to try to allow him to go with me more in the future, so put in a word for me, if you would, uh, and for John. (laughs) and the fact that he wants to do it again was like golden. So anyway. anyway, we choose faith when our circumstances are bad. And when you go among these people and you realize that they have a really strong faith, you know, they may not have the doctrinal teaching and the equipment that we have, but their oh, their faith is amazing, you know? And it's it's born in difficulty and struggle. They have to choose. So many of the places I go, there are there are practically no nominal Christians. You know what nominal means in name only i mean they just don't do that it's you either are in or you're out because if you're in there are issues related to that so these people have strong faith and i want to tell you faith is not primarily about your circumstances faith is primarily about your god and about what you're thinking in the midst of your circumstances your faith is about god and how you relate to him So the Bible is full of these kind of teachings, like uh, Psalm 62, 8. Trust in God at all times. Pour out your hearts to him, for God is our refuge. Or this one, Psalm 46, 1 and 2. God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. My friends, you might be in trouble these days. Choose God. Choose faith in the midst of your trouble. Second thing we must do is we must choose faith when the timing is not what we want. I don't know about you, but I like to plan things. Uh, You know, I just like the idea of, like, I have a calendar. You know, I put stuff in my calendar, and I think that's what I'm going to do, right? And if something obstructs that, I don't like it very much. So I like to plan stuff. And then I look at the Bible, and I find verses like Proverbs 16, 9 that says, Humans plan their course, but the Lord establishes their steps. And then I realize again, God is in control of the timing of stuff, and I don't always like it. But that's when I must choose faith. Now, for us personally, you know, we were sort of blindsided earlier this year by a pretty difficult medical diagnosis for me that we didn't know was going to happen. It was like, what? You know? And, And so many of our friends reached out, so many of you reached out to us and blessed us and encouraged us, and, and a few people called, sort of they said, whoa, I don't know about the timing of this one, you know, you are the man of God after all, you know, and I'm thinking, yeah, yeah. or why you, why now, and our response was, why not me, why not now, you know, because I've always been persuaded that we who are followers of Christ have all the same challenges and difficulties that everybody else in the world has, but we have an opportunity to live different and respond different." So anyway, people sent us emails, and and Carolyn wrote to one of her dear friends uh, about this, and I saved it because it's good. Let me read it to you, just a couple paragraphs. Carolyn wrote, Thank you for continuing to pray. We have felt the presence of God directing our paths. He is our comfort, rock, hope, salvation, and so much more. And he has given us much peace beyond what we could have imagined there is a consistent and prevailing theme through many of these days not only for us but also we sense from those who care about us that theme is timing I've given that much thought and God has held me closely with reassurance that his timing is perfect the idea of me not wanting to agree with God's timing diminishes his sovereignty and glory we have built our lives and ministry and faith that every word he says is true and every plan and purpose he has for us is perfect. Every day we have the opportunity to trust him in all of it. My friends, every day you have the opportunity to trust him in the timing. The will of God includes his timing. You cannot believe in the sovereignty and almighty control of a master and not submit to his timing it is one of the primary ways you give glory to God by submitting to His timing in things. He, and, and submission to His timing is one of our most difficult challenges, and it's the one of the ways in which you give Him glory. If you believe, verses like Psalm 139, verse 16, that you can quote, all the days ordained for me were written in your book. You believe that one? That He's actually... Written in a book, your days? That's an interesting thought, isn't it? You'd like to look over his shoulder and read that paragraph, you know, but we don't get to see it. But you believe it? Yes or no? You do, yes. Or how about this one that we love to quote, Romans 8:28. in all things, God works for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. If I choose faith to believe those things, then I also choose to believe the timing of what he allows in my life, of what he does in my life. And I choose to believe that, that that will best glorify him even though I don't particularly like it or I don't really understand how it's all going to work. But I choose faith in him and his enabling and his power and his sufficiency in the timing of whatever he gives to me. The third thing, way in which we must choose faith is we, we've got to choose faith when things look impossible and, and i don't know about you but most of us have things in our life that are just frankly impossible There's just we've been praying about it for a long time and maybe we've even given up praying because it's just impossible we see things i mean we're intelligent people. We look at things. We see things in our eyes. We see things with our physical eyes, and we, think, we see things in our perception of what's going on, and, and some things seem possible, and other things seem impossible, and many times, the visual evidence of what I see is just overwhelmingly impossible, and this is a big challenge to our faith. What I see happening in my world can so easily dominate what I believe in my heart about God and His promises. But the more you look at what the Bible teaches about faith, the more you see how faith is connected with what you cannot see, that faith is connected to the invisible, that that's one of the things that defines what faith is. If, it's, if you can see it, it's sight, it's not faith, right? Even God is invisible. You ever wonder about that? How come he did that to us? How come he didn't, like, show himself? And if he just showed himself, everybody would believe, Right? But he didn't. He doesn't. Why? He apparently has said, the way in which you are going to glorify me in this world is to live by faith, not by sight. And so he's spoken. He's invisible, but he's spoken. And he says, now I want you to believe in me, and I want you to believe in what I say. Faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. Hebrews 11.1. So you have things in your life that you just, you don't see it. Or you see a whole bunch of stuff and the things that you do see seem impossible to you. So those verses from Hebrews 11 are, I mean, you've read this chapter, right? We call it the great... Hall of Fame of Faith, I think is what some people call it. The men and women of faith in the Old Testament Scripture, you know. They're amazing men and women who are faced impossible odds and impossible challenges, you know. And they believe God, and God blessed them. You know, Abraham, go to a land I you've never seen. I'm going to show you. Uh, Joshua, go, walk, march around the city of Jericho, these impossible walls, you know. And how are we going to conquer? I mean, the Bible is full of these stories, and Hebrews is full of, 11 is full of, these stories about things that seemed impossible to God's people. They could not see how God is going to do this. And Hebrews even says a lot of them, they didn't even receive all the promises that we now, as believers in the New Testament, understand. We choose faith by choosing to believe who God is and what God has said, not primarily what we see with our eyes. It's like we need. Our physical eyes and our perceptive eyes, but then we like we need glasses of faith to put on to see with faith what we cannot see with our eyes. Another th- area in which we 've got to choose faith we must choose faith when the future is uncertain now that 's true for every one of us it 's inescapable for you. your future is uncertain you may you may think you've got it nailed down, but you don't and You know, and the more you think about it, it's really uncertain. I don't know for sure what's going to. I don't know what's going to happen the rest of today, let alone the next two days of 2019 and, and 2020. What is going to happen? I mean, if you focus there too long, you could get depressed or discouraged. The future is uncertain. It is unknown. In some ways, it's dangerous, fearful. Your life could be full of anxiety because of it because you don't know. I'm learning to believe again that God wants me to choose faith, particularly in these times of uncertainty. Jesus asked one time, where is your faith? Where is your faith? Now, now then you look at the story and you realize he asked that when they were in the boat and there's like storms, you know, and they thought they were going to all be capsized and drown, you know. And there's Jesus saying, where is your faith? That seems a little mean, Right? He's where's your faith, you know? And then they realize, you know, and then Jesus gets up and calms the water, right? And then they realize he's in the boat with us. Right? So we believe him and not fear the circumstances. God is great and sufficient and powerful and able. And we believe this stuff in our heads. We sing about it. And the amazing thing is that God also cares about me. He's a Father who is with me. So many fascinating places in the Word of God where the little word with appears. He is with me. He's a Father who is with me now and in the future. Therefore, we are called to live, walk by faith and not by sight. Every day, every day, 2 Corinthians 5, 7, walk by faith. Because we worship a God Who sees what we do not see. You worship a God who sees what you cannot see. A God who knows what you cannot know. This is the God you worship. And and so we we worship a God who sees ahead and knows what's going to happen. He knows what's going to happen in 2020. We don't. So don't live by what you see at the moment. Choose faith. To believe in what God sees. God, what do you see? You're not going to tell me everything, but I believe you see it and you know it. So I put my faith not in what I see, but in you who sees. The fifth area where we've got to choose faith is when circumstances are good. We've got to choose faith when circumstances are bad. We've also need to choose faith when circumstances are good. You may have been talking to somebody in the lobby and they say, How you doing? And you said fine and that may have been true or not but you just may not have had enough time to tell them about everything or you weren't sure they even wanted to know but we have this tendency to do that you know I'm fine I'm fine you know so but some of us actually are doing pretty okay fine you know how about you like because your life full of trauma and difficulty and struggle and pain and you know all kind or are you like doing okay you know I mean, it's not that you don't have problems, but, you, but things are going pretty well. You feel blessed and encouraged and stable and generally happy, and you're doing all right. Is that true of any of you? So what does, choose, what does faith choose when you're doing pretty well? We, we know what faith is supposed to choose when circumstances are bad. Well, what does faith choose when circumstances are pretty good? Well, one thing is really obvious. Gratitude, right? Anytime you can say, I'm doing pretty good, like, hallelujah, you know, because it's not always true. So, anytime you're going along and you're thinking, I'm doing pretty well today, you know, I'm pretty encouraged, you know, there's good things happening, you know, there's not like I don't have problems and difficulties, but I'm pretty encouraged, you ought to be thinking, thank God, you know, and you ought to praise Him for it, you ought to thank Him for it, you ought to give Him a little glory for it because What does the Bible say? Every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father above. That's James 1.17. But the other thing that you you need to do when circumstances are pretty good is you need to strengthen your faith in times of calm because just hold on stuff's coming, right? You may be doing really well right now, but you don't know what's going to happen in January, February, March, or you know, whatever. So I'm not trying to tell you bad stuff is definitely going to happen to you. I'm just trying to tell you bad stuff is gonna, definitely going to happen to you. So, <laughs> so what you need to do is you need to get your feet grounded during the times of calm, deepen your roots, if you will. How do you do that? You read. You read the book. You read other things that that God's people have said. You get together with other believers. You study. You pray. You praise. You worship. You deepen your faith in times of calm so that when the times of difficulty come, you will be ready. God is really saying to us, look, stand firm in your faith now and get ready to stand firm. Do both. Do both. Don't just coast. That's the deadly thing about us so many times. We just coast through life, and we let circumstances sort of happen to us. Well, how must how do, what do I do? How do I choose faith? What must I do? A few things seem really crucial to me. One is you got to know what God has said. This is like, duh. You've got to know what God has said. That's why pastors and you know, people who have been instrumental in your life to try to help you follow Jesus Christ have said, read the book. Would you please read the book? Will you turn off the television and read the book? Will you read the book? Will you read the book? Will you read the book? (laughs) Read the Bible. Read it. Read it. Read it. You understand? It's because God speaks through his word in ways that doesn't happen any other way. God has decided to be invisible, but his word is very visible. Right, And he's given it to us and he says, believe in me you cannot see and believe in the word that you can see. Faith comes from hearing the word of Christ, Romans 10, 17. I cannot choose to believe in something I don't know. I cannot choose to believe in a truth that I've never read or never heard or never understood. If I have never, ever known what God has said, I will tend to choose something else. And the world is full of something else, else's not a word anyway you remember back some months ago when when pastor dave w- was teaching from from um, matthew chapter 6 a sermon on the mount where he was saying you have a father and your father sees the birds and the flowers remember that you know he, he takes care of birds and the flowers and and jesus said and he and he cares even more for you are you not of much more value than birds and flowers Jesus was saying, You have a father, and he cares about birds and flowers, and he cares so much more for you, and he'll meet your needs. And by the way, he knows what you need before you ask him. You ever wonder about that one? He knows what I need before I ask him. Does that carry any weight? That he knows what you need before you ask? Does that affect you at all? Does that change the way you think? Does that change the way you pray? Why did he say that? Why did Jesus want you to know that he knows what your father knows what you need before you ask? The beautiful thing about this is that when you actually believe those words, that's why he preached it, by the way, so we would believe the words, so that we would go out of here and say, gee, I have a father who cares for birds and flowers, and he cares even more for me, and he knows what I need before I ask. I have a father, and he is amazing. Look, you've got to know what God has said, and then you can choose to believe it. And that's why you read it. There is power in the word of God. The spirit of God uses the word of God to change the mind of people. The second thing I must do is I must be persuaded I have to choose. I've got to be persuaded that I have to choose. And for many years of my life, I just, I didn't even know that. I thought faith sort of just happens to you or it doesn't. I'd look at some people and say, whoa, what a strong man or a woman of faith. I don't have that kind of faith. Oh, too bad for me, you know, and I'll never be like that. And, And so I just like would go through life and let circumstances happen to me and I'd react and respond to circumstances. This is not a good way to live, by the way. But I, I did it for years. It's just so easy to just coast through your days unaware that you need to do something. That this God who has called you into his service and called you to himself expects you to do something about that. You want to please him, don't you? Here's where you say yes. Yeah. You want to glorify him, don't you? You, you, want, to, you, you, you want him to be proud of you like a loving father you want to put a smile on his face you don't want to show up in glory one day and realize i don't know anything about this god right you want to have walked with him for a long time so that you're eager to get there and happy to be in his presence faith without deeds is what dead that's what James said. Faith, if it's not accompanied by actions, is dead. It's worthless. If you believe something, but, but you don't actually do something about it, then it's like dead. It's worthless. So, so I need to be persuaded that I have to choose faith. If I'm going to grow in faith, it's something I have to choose. Faith chooses to believe God and then does something about it. And, and that's where... We you know, we're trying we're not trying to earn God's love. We're, we're responding to God's love But when I choose faith to believe him, then I do so that's why by the way we are different people That's why we act differently than people in the world because we believe stuff. They don't believe we know things They don't know we choose to believe things and then we act out of that We live differently from the world because we choose faith in God if you believe that God promises to meet your needs, let's have a little vote. How many of you really believe that God will meet your needs? Oh, good. Some of you lied, but okay, good. So, <laughs> But if I truly believe that God will meet my needs, what, is, what does that mean? Does that have any impact on the way that I live? Oh, yeah. If I believe God will meet my needs... I can rest in it, right? I can also be generous, right? I don't have to worry and be so anxious about money. And that's why Jesus said, don't do that. You know why? Because you have a Father who will meet your needs, He'll provide what you need. If you truly believe you are forgiven of your sin, you believe God's forgiven your sin? Like all of it? No, I'm seriously seriously, all of it, not some of it, all of it, all of it, even the really bad stuff, all of it, you believe that, really, makes you unique in the world, go share that with somebody, a neighbor, I believe God's forgiven me of everything I've ever done that's been bad, that has been, I'm forgiven, I'm clean. If I die, I will stand in the presence of a holy God who is the judge of all the living and the dead, and he will welcome me into his presence because of the blood of Jesus Christ, my Savior. I am forgiven. It is finished. I believe it. Do you? If you choose to believe that, I mean, seriously believe that, what? You can relax, right? I mean, you can... You can stop trying to earn it. You can stop trying to add to the work of Jesus. You can, you can glory in it. You can rejoice in it. You can be happy about it. You can, you can have it motivate you to try to stop doing the stuff that you used to do that you needed to be forgiven for, right? I mean, are you tracking with me here today? Yeah. I'm used to people, like, responding. Hey, oh. yeah, all right, right. Right. I got one anyway. (laughs) So what I must do is I've got to be persuaded that I have to choose God's truth. The third thing I've got to do is I've got to turn away from lesser choices. And this is a constant struggle for us because we're surrounded by lesser choices. Some of them are in our own brains, our own opinions about things. I had so many opinions. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm still unlearning stuff. You know, every now and then something happens and I think, well, gee, you've believed that for... 60 years, you dummy. You know, it's not true. Not true. There are inferior authorities all around us. You're being constantly bombarded with them. You can't escape it, especially you can't escape it in America. Go home and turn your television on. They'll tell you if you drink this beer, you will be so attractive. <laughs> you know, people, the beautiful women will fall all over you. Or if you drive this car, you will truly be happy. Just buy this car. I mean, you will like, this is life. This is, this, is the, this is as good as it gets, cruising down the road in my new car. What is that? It's nonsense is what it is. You know, I mean, it's like stupid, foolish, you know? And we're being, con- I mean, those are easy ones, right? But we're being constantly bombarded by so many things that are simply not true. How, wh- what do you do? How do you fight that when it's coming from all different sources, from people that we know and people we love, friends, enemies, neighbors, you know, advertising, books we read, television that we watch. It's just, I mean, you know, stuff is coming at us all the time, and it's, so much of it's deceptive, and so much of it's subtly deceptive because the people who do this advertising stuff, they're really good at trying to persuade us. And after a while, you start buying this stuff. So what do you do? What you do is you focus on the truth, right? That's why the book says meditate on this. Meditate on it. Run it over and over and over in your mind. You know, I traveled in Nepal and India and other places, that were primarily Hindu countries and Buddhist countries, and their idea of meditation is empty your brain, empty your mind, and try to think of nothing, which is an interesting idea. But Biblical Christian meditation is completely the opposite. Christian meditation is put something from the Word of God in your brain and run it around again and keep thinking about it until you finally end up choosing to believe it. Meditate on it because that is the way in which deceptions are overcome. And after a while, you'll, the more you do that, the more you'll be able to say, that's a lie, and that, "Oh, that's a lie, that's a lie, that's a lie. Uh, you know, you know uh, I have some truth in me and more and more the more and more you do that the what happens is more and more there is one voice that you hear better than anybody else's voice and that's what you want you want to reach the place where you hear the voice of the master and sometimes he just says to you that's nonsense but let me tell you something that's true the fourth thing we must do is we've got to declare to God, I believe you. I believe your word to me. Declare to God, I believe you. This is often called prayer. But the more I think about prayer these days, the more I realize that for so many years of my life, I thought about prayers primarily prayer meetings. And praying through lists of things. And, and then sometimes those illustrations of people got up at 4 o'clock in the morning and spent two hours of prayer every morning and I got real depressed. You know, because i you know, more discipline than I have. And I, but I thought about prayer meetings as like those kind of things. Or prayer about those kind of things. But now in my life, I really believe that prayer is more about walking with my Father. Just Walking with my father, like not in meetings or not in church. Well, yes, in meetings and in church, but especially out there, everywhere, driving, living, at home with family. Like, I have a father right now. And so what I've learned is I need to tell him that. I need to speak it. Now, some of you are saying, are you talking about talking out loud to God? Yes! Yes! Talk out loud to God. Talk out loud to God. Let your mouth form the words. If you have to, you know, people will just think you got those earbuds in your ear and you're talking to somebody on the phone, you know. But (laughs) you're going to be just like walking around talking to God and they won't pay any attention, right? And people used to really think it's weird. Now they don't even think about it. So, but... (laughs) Like get alone, you know, go into your bed. What did Jesus say? Go into your room and close the door. What's that about? I want to say to you, something happens when you say the words out loud, when you walk on the beach and you talk to your father and you say out loud, you are, I believe in you. You are great. You are so good. You've forgiven me. You've sent your son. I, I don't understand everything. I don't I don't believe everything, but I, I want to please you. And look, uh, and, and you talk to it And something happens when you say it out loud that doesn't happen when you keep it all in your brain. I used to think that prayer was all about a secret kind of communi- communication with God that, where I never said anything out loud. I, you're missing one of the strongest dynamics of building your faith by not saying it out loud. Just this make any sense to you? Talk to him. Talk to him. He hears you, by the way, whether you say it in your head or you say it out loud. But when you say it out loud, you also hear it in your head. And he hears you in your head and he hears your voice. And frankly, I think he's pleased with that. Test me out on that one. Talk to him out loud. Talk to him. Tell him, I believe in you. Tell him, sometimes I've wondered, where are you? Sometimes I, want, I say, Father, how come you taken so long? Father, help me. Sometimes I wonder, Father, where are you? When, when this kind of stuff happens, here it is again. Look what's happened. It's on the news again, on the newspaper. Where, where were you when this happened? And then you'll hear him whisper to you, I was there. I was right there. I heard it all. I saw it all. I'm grieved by it. Someday I want to tell you I'm going to fix it and make it right. He'll talk back to you. Test me on this one. By the way, when you read in the scripture, they were not all cerebral mental prayers, right? I mean, the whole idea that you you can just say, the Lord is my shepherd in your brain. You think David did that? I want to tell you, he stood and said, the Lord is my shepherd, out loud, and people heard him, and they wrote it down. <laughs> Test me on this. Fifth thing, I must do what faith in God directs me to do. I got to do, right? This is what makes you different. Not just the stuff you believe in your head. This is called obedience, doing, action, I must know, and I must reject, and I must confess, and I must obey. We who believe God do something. The fascinating thing today is that for so many people, Christianity is not any different than anybody else. And that is just awful. And you read the pages of scripture. They were different people. And they killed them because of it. They're not killing many people in America. It's probably coming, but not yet. How different are we? I don't know that we're all that different because I don't know that we act that different. And I don't know that we act that different because we don't believe that different. Or if we believe it's just a mental kind of thing. If I believe God, I must do what he tells me to do. I must believe and hope and trust and act. I must feel and rejoice and praise, be grateful and love and be confident and share and give and it goes on and on. So is all this like mental, cerebral, kind of mental gymnastics, mental discipline? No, word t- no. It's relational. You see, it's primarily about relationship. This is the great commandment. Jesus said the great commandment, you know it. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. And love your neighbor yourself. Love God with all heart, soul, mind, strength. That's what faith is, my friends. Faith is heart, soul, mind, and strength. That's that's why faith and love are inseparable in the word of God. If you believe God, it's going to affect your heart and your soul, your whole life and your mind and your strength, what you're actually going to do. Faith is all about that. It's not just mental in my head. It's relational in my heart. It's like when when you were young and you were trying to be a really good child of your parent because you had a really good parent. I wish that was true of everybody, but... Let's presume that was true of you. You had a really good parent and they loved you and, and, and then they told you you can't do that or you gotta do this and you didn't like it. Right? And you said, I don't like that, I don't want to do that, you know. But but you submitted because you believed that maybe they have more information than I do. Maybe they know me best. They really know what's probably best for me, and 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 they know things that I don't really know, so I will submit to something that I don't really particularly want to do because of the relationship. My friends, that's that's the father you have. He's calling you to submit to him because of the relationship. And he does know stuff you don't know. And he does see things that you don't see. And he cares about you. And he has a good plan for your life. Choosing faith in God is the only reasonable, right response to who he is and who we are. I choose to believe and to trust and obey because of who he is and because of what he has done for me, because he is great and good and loving and a father. And this is a reality that I deeply, deeply feel. Sometimes it moves me to tears. And other times it moves me to just gratitude and peace and thanks, thankfulness. And it puts my feet on a rock where almost anything can happen. And by the grace of God, I will not be shaken. It's by faith that I see what's invisible, that I believe what is mysterious, that I trust in the unseen, that I hope for what's coming, that I depend upon the work of my Savior. It's by faith that I rest in the love of a father. You have this Father. So, what's God saying to you these days? Is this really foreign to you? You know, or are you thinking to yourself, oh, "I need to choose faith more." Do you hear God saying to you, "Do you believe in me?" I mean, really, do you? I mean, do you really believe in me? You do this church thing, but do you really believe in me? Will you trust me? And by the way, what about the year coming, twenty twenty? Will Will you? Will you choose faith in me in this year? Can't you grow in faith? Couldn't it be at 12 months from now that you will have grown much more mature in your faith, strong in your faith through good and through bad? Will, can't you hear God saying, will you struggle through this now by believing now in these circumstances that you're facing to know that I know and I care and that I'm going to give you what you need? Can't you believe me in that? You sing it. You read it. Will you glorify me by what you think, what you choose and believe, and who you love? Choose faith today, my friends. You have a big God. You always have had a big God, He's bigger than you have any idea. And me also. He's greater and more loving than we ever knew. He has things in store for you that would just shake you if you knew how wonderful the stuff is that's coming. Have faith today. You have a father. Jesus said it simply like this. Have faith in God. Mark 11:22. All the time. Today. Tomorrow. The next day. 2020 have faith in God. So now we have a little object lesson and I'm going to ask you choose faith in this object lesson. You know what it is? It's the bread and the cup again. And here's where we say, "Oh, okay, we're just about done here." You can choose faith in this moment. It can be an empty ritual for you, just something that we do to close and go on our way, or it can be something where you determine in this moment to choose what you believe. And why did God do it this way? Why did Jesus do this bread cup thing? And why do we, what is this little piece of bread and what is this little cup, what? You you have, in order for this to be anything other than an empty ritual for you, you've got to choose some faith in it. You've got to look at this little piece of bread and say, what's this bread about? It's about the fact that God sent his son in the flesh to become like us, to become a sin bearer for me. This reminds me, he came, he came, he came. Because of the greatness of the love of God, he came. And not only did he come, the cup, he died. He died for me. Come and get the bread in the cup and choose to believe again. Don't let this be an empty time for you. Choose to believe. Talk to him. Say, I believe. I'm holding this little bread. I can feel it. If you were here, I could feel you. I drink the cup. I taste it. It reminds me of the greatness of your blood for me. Thank you. Choose faith during communion this morning. Choose faith today. Father, help us. We need lots of help. But you've given us so much help. Your Holy Spirit speaks to us and helps us to understand and to believe and to do. We ask that the Spirit of God would now move freely in this place and into our hearts and help us in these moments to choose to believe again in the Son of God who gave his life for us so that everything you want for us is now not only possible but certain. We praise you. May you find joy in what our thoughts think in these moments. For the glory of Christ we pray and the joy of his people. Amen.